With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, uh, the only loosely based rugby podcast that probably won't talk about much rugby for the foreseeable future. Um, but because there are people that uh, openly mock us for not recording any content, uh, I'm looking at you, uh, Tim Cocker. Um, we decided that this week we will continue to put podcasts out, but we're going to do a punching chat. Um, because we know everybody loves a bit of punching chat, we've invited back Adam with some questions. This week, it's going to be me versus Ben versus Doug. And uh, we'll see if we can entertain you for half an hour or so. How does that sound? Yeah. Yeah. Do do people like punching chat? Has, I mean, has if anyone they, ever given you that feedback, well, what I have... say to that, Adam, is I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could um, say they like it, so let's make more of it. Maybe <laughs> yeah, they just like, like it more than the rugby podcast. I mean, at <laughs> least at least when we do punching chat, there is an element of light-hearted banter, as opposed to yeah. um, moribund whinging. Old man shouting at clouds and uh, borderline tears. And I, I enjoy that for what it's worth. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you're you're in the you're in the very same boat that we're in, Adam. Obviously, not <laughs> you know in of the loss of love for rugby, but just in a uh, an age demographic where you know we all hate everything. Just just particularly change. Yeah, and anything that anything that isn't like it was in the late 80s, early 90s is bad. Yeah. I mean, just look at the England cricket team. You know, they're going right back to the early 90s, which is what we loved. So if you can, if you can look at me, look me straight in the eye and say uh, football kits that were big enough to float uh, yachts across the Atlantic aren't better than what they wear today, then I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah. Big fan. Did did Um, we go wrong the day it got rid of? really thick cotton shirts cotton traders yeah that was the remember at the end a bt england bt cell net jersey <laughs> which which was massive you remember like it was one of johnny wilkinson's first jerseys and you had the likes of um dan luger and you know ben cohen and richard cockrell with a with a ripped collar is it when they got rid of stripes? Is that the problem? Hoops. Yeah, when people, when kit designers thought they were cleverer than uh, 150 years of rugby. They wanted to go. be nice and, nice and tight. And when yeah, they want... I feel they play like we're it. digressing a little bit too much here. But what I would say is that, um, going back to your original point, um, Russ, about certain people giving us uh, a, a few digs about not podcasting regularly certain people should be very careful of treading on thin ice when i know what motor vehicle they drive <laughs> um that is information it a, could very easily find its way in the public domain is it is it akin to um a 16 year old hairdresser's car yeah yeah yeah, yeah. fair yeah. enough right Let, let's leave that there um adam uh, do you want to remind people what Punch and Chat is all about? Not really. 
Okay. Um, but if you think I should. <laughs> no, well, no, absolutely not. <laughs> well, okay. If you, if, if, if you want to go there, for anyone who hasn't heard Punching Jack before, it's a completely original concept of a sports quiz. I'll ask some questions. You'll all answer every single question and I'll score points as I see fit. Um, if you hear this, it means you've scored a point. If you hear this, it's three points. This is five points. And that's minus one. And please don't check that I've added up the scores correctly. Um, I I'm think, speaking uh, to you, Patrick Jackson. Well, I, I think what I'd say as well, uh, Adam, is that after three years, uh, two years of doing Punch and Chat, it's about time the soundboard got its own microphone. Um, I mean, I'm all ears if you've got any any tips on <laughs> on how to pull that off better well, than hold me. it next to the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last time apparently it was too loud. Yeah, but I don't care what I don't care what the peons that are listening think. <laughs> I want to know what my points are. <laughs> Doug's keeping guys. a tally chart. Yeah, really, Doug. Well, this is about me, not them. You're starting on minus one. There you go. Right. Um, Russ is fat. Give me the point back. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, that that really is how this works. Um shall we shall we have some questions? Yes. <laughs> um well, I mean, you mentioned it already, the podcast last week and the, the grumpy old men. Um, with all that doom and gloom, um, I'm gonna be constructive with the first question. If you could change one thing about rugby to start to make it better again, what would it be? And we'll start with the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting, Ben. Well, if uh, I think most people will have heard last week's recorded nervous breakdown, so we probably don't need to go into too many details here. Um, but I just think we need to get fewer penalties in the game. Um, and it's quite a broad point, but it just seems that the game now just goes from penalty to penalty, stop to stop and kick to the corner to kick to the corner. So I think there needs to be fewer sort of fussy penalties at the breakdown, at the line out, at scrums as particularly, and they need to limit the TMO. And how many, how many fucking answers are you giving here, mate? It's all part <laughs> one answer, Russ. It sounds like doesn't feel one Doesn't feel like it. Oh, I'll shut yeah. up then. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, it's, there's a chance that others may may have one of your other answers. Um, let's go, Doug. They were all the same answer. Uh, mine isn't, actually. Mine um, is very specific. One thing that would immediately improve rugby would be to put it all back on Sky Sports. Rugby's become <clears throat> far too fragmented. Too many different channels, ITV, BT, Amazon, Stan Sport for this. God, you know, Jimmy's television sports channel for, I don't know, whatever the fuck the Welsh stuff's called now. It's, it's too much. And it's a case of be careful what you wish for with the rugby because Sky had a programme which I think we all enjoyed, the boot room. Was it the boot room? Eddie and Steve. It was the rugby club, rugby club. wasn't it? Was rugby, rugby club, club. with uh, you know, and I know that a lot of people had issues with some of the talent that they had, but I think it was a lot more insightful what they were doing, in my opinion. And also, when Sky had rugby, they had all the rugby, and yeah. therefore it was much more joined up, and it had a much more singular message. So you had the championship, you had the women's, you had the premiership, you had England games. Autumn internationals, um, uh, prem, prem, um, well, I can't even like this. Be gone through so many names, I can't even bloody remember it. Uh, the Welsh one, it had everything. So I just, I wish it had just go back to Sky, just because it, it, it was. It's your, it's your rate card higher on Sky than BT. No, it's actually not. Um, but. <laughs> well, I, I, I just think it's getting a a little bit samey, the BT stuff. I think it could do with a facelift. It's been the same for 
the format and, and everything has been the same for how many years? Yeah. Things I just know. need freshening up sometimes, don't they? You know, works on it and probably will never work on it again after this airs. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, uh, what, have, what have you got here? That, that was a ben bit serious, a already. Answer, sorry. That was really serious. I mean, I've... I think I've said this on more than one occasion now, and for fear of repeating myself for for too many times, the one thing that I would want to change about rugby at the moment is the constant and unnecessary interjections by the TMO. Get them off. Speak when spoken to. And only... Huh? Said that already. You have? Yeah, you did. Or I have? I have. Uh, Ben did, despite, despite not submitting his answer to me in that form earlier. Unbelievable. No. That, you know, let's not pull back the curtain. But all I'm going to say is that <laughs> they, they just, they just get involved now unnecessarily. Let the referee referee the game, fuck everything else and just sh- show the stuff that you've been asked to show or let Doug do it. Let the director do it. <laughs> get the referee to show the, the, the directed angles uh, from the truck, and just ask the director. Excuse me, director. Can you um, can you show me an angle of that tackle? And forget about the TMO altogether. For me, it can be, and this is not just rugby, but any sport where you have video video assistant referee or DRS, whatever whatever you call it. Um, if you can't overturn a decision in twenty seconds, then it's not clear and obvious. Move on. Why why does it need to be any more complicated than that? Agree. Okay, question two. Uh, Ben Stokes, you may have heard, was given the England cricket captaincy last week. Uh, But when else in sport has somebody been given a role simply because there was nobody else to do it? Um, We'll start with Dougie. Okay. Um, I had to think long and hard about this because there aren't really that many examples that I could um, point to that beat the one I'm going to say and that's um, when Tony Adams was appointed chief executive of the Rugby Football League <laughs> I mean there, there must have been someone else No, I, th- I think <laughs> along the same lines has, has anyone seen the television programme Tipping Point Ben Shepherd. Ben Shepherd's Tipping Point, which is basically those two P, 10 P Shoved, machines yeah, that you use at the arcade machine. that pushes to 10 P. That was the last idea. <laughs> like, there are no more TV ideas left. Everything's been done. And it got to the point, Tony Adams was the tipping point of sporting bodies CEOs. There's <laughs> none good. left. Isn't it funny? Like, Tipping Point, if you'd said, 20 years ago when I'm Alan Part, if Alan Partridge sat in front of Tony Hayes and said <laughs> tipping point, everybody would have just laughed at him, like probably yeah. more than monkey tennis. Pee machine with Ben Shepherd. Yeah. I, yeah. I vividly remember saying when I saw it, well, I was in a pub when I first saw it and my immediate reaction was, well, that's it, lads. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Every idea has been done. Have you seen the one where they just, Catch a giant. Oh yeah, ca- catch one. Oh, the the other one is the the Danny Dyer one. Have you seen the Danny Dyer one? The fucking oh, wall. The, the wall. The fucking wall. <laughs> wall. That's a proper naughty game show. What are you? Wall. What are you gonna do, wall? Be quiet. <laughs> what are you gonna do? And then it's got An- Angela Rippon. Can you read some questions? Ange, read out the questions. <laughs> Shut it, you slag. The wall. Have you seen? Have you seen the wheel? Michael Spin the Matthews wheel. It's yeah. uh, it's you remember the Alan Partridge USA ninety four thing with the signpost? <laughs> it's it's incomprehensible as that. It's, <laughs> just, it's so bad. There's so many bad game shows out there. You just think, how does this shit get commissioned? And the, and how yeah. do, like who pays for it? Well, obviously the wall and um, spin the wheel is us, but uh, you know, tipping point clearly makes money. Well, luckily nobody pays for punching chat. Which is which is probably a good thing. Back well, to the question. Well, the BBC do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not having it. Russ, <laughs> give us an answer. Who was given a role just because there was nobody else to do it? Well, I I also had to think about this long and hard, um, and I really struggled. And the only one I could kind of come up with was 
Um, in 2006, after the, the World Cup in Germany, Sven, Sven, Sven Gordon Eriksson, no, that's also wrong. His middle name wasn't Gordon. Sven Gordon Eriksson was... Uh, I think you'll find it's, it's pronounced Joran. Yeah, whatever. He, um, he left his position as England manager. And at the time, uh, you know, they, want, they desperately wanted uh, Felipe Scolari, if I remember rightly. Um, but who they ended up with was pretty much the only person left available that was Sven's number two, who ended up to be the Wally with the Broly, Steve McLaren, one of the worst England managers ever to take the helm. Very good. Um, ben? Um, so I've gone with Gareth Southgate <laughs> because don't let it be forgotten that England had been reduced to having their previous manager being Sam Allardyce, who everyone was pretty pleased to get. And he was last seen drinking a pint of wine with some fake Saudis. Um, and at the pleased time, to I get Big Sam. What, yeah. <laughs> what am people... I not remembering right here? Yeah, not maybe not us, but some people were pleased. He, he was a back to basics uh, kind of man, wasn't he? But um, yeah, I don't think there was a huge amount of excitement about Southgate. He was that nice fella that runs the under 21s. And I think a few people at the FA probably thought he's a good full guy. He's already missed the penalty and, and you know, we can blame him when things go wrong. And actually, let's be fair, he's been a massive success and uh, brought back the waistcoat. You, you do feel that him being successful wasn't part of the plan. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay uh quick look at scores ben you are on 12 points russ on 15 doug 19 points um we're gonna have to do something about this um next question in control of that. russia <laughs> i mean it's there's no one in control of this but me let's 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 face it um right um, we need to talk about Russia because it's been getting a lot of bad press recently. I mean, you might argue that's right, um, but we need to offset that uh, by talking about who sports greatest ever Russian is. And we will start with Russ. Um, well, there's only really one answer to this question. Um, and that is Maria Sharapova. You know, we're all of a certain age where... Maria Sharapova burst onto the scene when we were all in our sort of. I bet you early... burst onto the Maria Sharapova <laughs> scenes as well. Well, our <laughs> early, um, she early mid, yeah, early twenties, I'd say. Um, she was. She came just after Anna Kornikova when, like, and she Anna Kornikova was was ridiculously hot, but shit at tennis. Um, <laughs> Maria Sharapova was the perfect mixture of both. And, uh, you know, an, an Australian Open, a couple of Frenches, a Wimbledon and the US Open. She was uh, Frenches. Moderate, moderately French. successful as well. So uh, between 2004 and 2014, Maria Sharapova won five Grand Slam titles. There you go. A tennis answer. Um, ben, who's sports greatest ever Russian? Well, the first name that came into my head when we said Russian was um, Sergei Bubka, but he's Ukrainian, so in your face. <laughs> um, so I've gone for a man called Prince Alexander Sergeyevich Obolensky, who um, was born in St. Petersburg and uh, fled from the Bolshevik Revolution, age one, probably had some help, um, and played rugby for Oxford. Probably had some help. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oxford, Leicester Tigers, England, British Lions, Barbarians, and scored two tries on debut against the All Blacks in a 13-0 win. Don't mean you can get much better than that. He could could have scored three tries. Um... With with some help. (laughs) Um... Doug, who is who is sports greatest ever Russian in your opinion? Well, I mean, this is open for debate, but Andrei Shevchenko was born in Russia. Just so um, happened that the was part it? of Russia he was born in went on to become Ukraine. So, uh, but I'm sticking with it because he was the greatest striker I've ever seen. There you go. 
Um, I'm give, I'm taking a point off for the technicality, but I don't want to because it's a it's a good answer. There you go, have it back. She tends to go <laughs> gymnast, doesn't she? You seen that? Uh, what's that? Putin's girlfriend's a gymnast. Used to be a yeah. gym, Olympic gymnast. Is yeah. she 15? <laughs> Not anymore. I can just imagine her, like, um, just with a cushion. It's like, yes, Vladimir, you're taking to Snappy Snaps. Normal photograph. <laughs> <laughs> it's not racist because they're Russian. <laughs> it's a cushion with a. Uh, my face on one side and a cat on the other. <laughs> you can sit oh. on your phone. Well, Sonia, that was classic intercourse. <laughs> like to have a shower before and ideally afterwards. <laughs> All right, time for the platinum jiffy bag question. Um, and I mean... Th- setting things up to allow you to give answers just to please the host um, might not work here and you'll see why in a minute um sir alistair cook hit two centuries in a game last week for the first time in his career which seems surprising uh, but who is the second best ever cricketer to play for essex and we'll start with ben so i've gone for the guy who had all the records before Alistair Cook and now doesn't have very many left at all. Um, but talking of early 90s England, it was the captain back then, Graham Gooch. Played 27 years, I believe, for Essex and 118 tests and 8,900 runs for England, which is not to be sniffed at. Still got the highest innings by an Englishman, I think. In the 3-3-3, yeah, I think yeah. it's probably... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, well... Is, yeah. I mean, other but, than Len Hutton's 364, then yeah, I guess so. But um, um, always uh, always seemed to be if Gooch got out, we'd get about 12 runs. <laughs> in, which is a familiar familiar theme with England captains. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, 27 years for a county career in itself is pretty incredible. Um, I'm going to love, you, you could come up with, anything here and i'm gonna love the answer though let's be honest um russ who is in your opinion the second best ever cricketer to play for essex i mean obviously doug's to come so i don't want to mention too many names so i won't uh but one name i will mention was um a young lad born in 1968 in madras the world's number one mr burns uh, impersonator Um, Nasser Hussein obviously another future England captain 17 year Essex career pretty good Putin impersonator as well (laughs) not bad I mean he's not as stacked as Putin Um, 334 first class matches 20,698 runs at an average of 42.06 and the England captain with the most famous Worst decision of all time. Um, <laughs> you're, I assume, referring to the toss at Brisbane. Well, that's um, exactly what I'm referring to. But where Steve Waugh also said he'd have a bowl, just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, but he didn't he actually could, have a decision to make, did he? <laughs> no, he could throw a strop like nobody else could NASA. But he he came into he came into that England team as captain in the 90s, and he was the one along with Duncan Fletcher that started to turn that team around before the Michael Vaughan era. And oh, ab- absolutely. He was, he was the catalyst. doesn't deserve any credit for the 2005 Ashes. He was... Um, it should all be NASA. NASA was the catalyst for that. And he was the, the person that instilled a bit of leadership, a bit of fight, a bit of backbone into that he England made side. Tough, he? he toughened him up, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, Doug, who have you got? Uh, well, there's a lot. I mean, you mentioned... Russ said that he didn't want to say too many, so I won't... I won't go too far into the list. I mean, I Mark, Wall, Mark Wall was uh, right up there. Um, <laughs> Sean Udall. Not Sean Udall, Peter Such. Peter Such. <laughs> Sean Udall was Hampshire, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry. I meant, I meant Peter Such for the off spinner. Um, but they, there's only the one, same. really, and he's the single greatest um, 
wicketkeeper to ever play for England. He didn't play enough for England. Did he, he didn't actually play for England, did he? Or did he? He did, he uh, did, yeah. Absolutely yeah, he did, did, but not enough. He was the best gloveman to ever come out of this country, James Foster. Um, just the most natural wicketkeeper we've ever produced. Criminally underrated by the England selectors. Should have got 100 caps, but instead got three or four because we valued runs over glove work, and that's just how we roll. It's a travesty, um, that. Basically, the longer you keep talking, Doug, the more points you're going to get at this point. Um, <laughs> that's the um, jiffy bag answer as well. Uh, well, you'd think that, but I went in a different direction. I, it was, I was trying to avoid my favourite players, per se. Um, I've gone with one of the grittiest players ever to play the game. And yeah, when Alistair, Sir Alistair Cook heads the heads the list, um, it's, a, it's a tall order. But you may remember Alan Border playing for Essex in the 1980s. Um, and you don't get much tougher than that. Um, he was the platinum jiffy bag answer. But, I thought um, I was nailed on with Foster. You... I had half, half a feeling it was going to be Simon Hamer. Simon Harmer. That's the one. You can have a point off for that, Russ. <laughs> um, but having, yeah, he was all right. <laughs> having said all that, Doug, um, you're going to get five bonus points for just mentioning Peter Such. Thanks. There you go. Even though he thought he was Sean Newdark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He of the <laughs> flounciest run-up in the professional cricket. Oh, magnificent. Took six wickets on debut in the match that Warren bowled that ball to Gatting. I mean, Sean Udall is closer than Diane Udall, so uh, <laughs> who, who, who incidentally I'd like to host a Millennium Barn Dance. <laughs> it must not repeat, not turn into an all-night rave. Um, Doug, you are way in the lead on 47. Russ on 40. Ben is on 30. Come on, Ben. Um, I mean... You just need to give more answers, clearly, and talk Point for longer. Shame, ben. Okay, next I'm up. After, <laughs> after Ronnie O'Sullivan won his seventh world title at the age of 46, um, I want to know what the most impressive sporting achievement is by someone in their 40s. Um, and as we all know, life begins at 40. Um, Doug, why don't you start? Uh, I mean, there's a lot. The, the guys have probably said the ones that we're all thinking about so I won't go into those but I think given the conditions given the adversity that this guy was up against uh, the struggles that he'd been having with his game the the hours that he'd put in the grind constantly to get back to a level where he felt that he could do his game justice I'd have to say it was um, me in the spring cup at Harewood Downs, winning seven and six. In my latest uh, knockout match, I thought I was absolutely fantastic. My ball striking was first class. A um, couple of struggles with the driver, I'm not going to lie there. Um, but my short game was incredible. 29 putts was really good. And it's just a testament to the hours that I've put in on the range, the the work I've done with my coach. Uh, the, oh, the last answer, the longer you talk, the more points you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, a stunning performance. <laughs> Very good. Um, ben, please say you got something better than that. Um, well, give it two or three years and it could be any of us at the Mall Over International. I did think <laughs> about my performance at the Mall Over Invitational last year, actually, but I was terrible, so I'm not going to... But yeah, and um, I mean, Russ wasn't 40 anyway, but his uh, his kicking effort certainly wasn't going to make it. But I thought over 40, I've got to go with the obvious answer, which is NFL, over 40 years old, and the GOAT. I'm going ben with Jerry Rice. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So Jer Jerry Rice was still playing at 40. And he kept going for several years, despite being already probably the greatest wide receiver of all time. Um, and how's this for a stat? Jerry Rice, after 40, had 185 catches, 2,509 yards and 12 touchdowns. All other over 40s have two catches for four yards. 
<laughs> Very good. And I mean, you all wanted. He did it despite think... not looking a day over fifty. Oh, he still doesn't. <laughs> it's, it, it looks he's he's ageless. He's like Frank Gore. I mean, you set uh, that up. I was I was going the other way, Adam. I thought he looked very old. Seriously? Yeah. Well, I met, yeah, maybe, in his last couple of just... seasons in the NFL, because he because he was basically playing against lads who were sort of nineteen twenties, oh, did look very old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see. I can see where you're going with that. Um, I. Yeah, you've got you've got to respect <laughs> you've got to respect that answer. He's not doing what Tom Brady is doing. Um, he he was playing a position that required some level of athleticism um, and still still doing it at the age of 40. Yeah, and went to the Raiders, which is a brave yeah, move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also play all, yeah, Seahawks as well, I think. And it would just, yeah, um, for someone so synonymous with the 49ers to, to do that. A bit weird, but, you know, a bit, well, a bit like Brady at the Bucks. There you go. Russ, um, best achievement by someone in their 40s? Well... At the time, this, and it is still quite incredible. Um, when I first came up with this answer, I've had to rejig it a touch, but Roger Milia, the Cameroonian footballer who appeared in the USA 1994 World Cup, scoring a goal against uh, Russia in that tournament, is the oldest World Cup goal scorer ever. Although his appearance has now been um, superseded by SML Hadri. Uh, in the 2018 World Cup. Roger Milia. I keep calling him Milia. Roger Miller. I don't know why you're doing that. I've got a real weird <laughs> partial for accents tonight. Um, but yeah, Roger Miller. And when when I first came up with this answer, I, I all I had stuck in my head was that Cameroon team of 1990. But of course, Roger Miller was only 38 at that time. So to have the, the oldest person to score a goal at a World Cup in USA 94, the answer is Roger Miller. It all depends on whether you believe his age, because there were rumours going around that he was actually even older than he said it was. Quite, quite probably. Who knows? But yeah, though he was, he was magnificent. Um, the scores have changed a bit. Russ, you're in the lead. Wow. Um, on 48, Ben 44, Doug on 42. Just shows what can happen in this game. Okay, next up, with the sad death of Minder star Dennis Waterman at the weekend. Um, we just want to know who's who is sports greatest Dennis. Can, can, um, can I before you go to that question? Did you see Kay Burley on Twitter announced that the death of Pete Waterman? No, <laughs> she actually did that, and then loads of people there were started some going, really oh. disappointed people, wouldn't there? <laughs> one of the yeah. um, most of hearsay did the same thing, didn't they? They yeah. tweeted that they loved but, Minder and they were really sad that, that Pete had died. Yeah. That was in response to Kay Burley's tweet. So, so, but when Kay Burley then subsequently deleted that tweet, he just looked like a right egg because he didn't delete <laughs> his tweet and it was completely out of context because he was just replying rather than um, write the theme tune, <laughs> sing the theme tune. Bog. I'll tell you what, if someone answers with a Pete here, they're going to score lots of points. Um, but I, yeah, I want to know who sports greatest Dennis is. Uh, Russ, kick us off. Um, for me, there's only one answer to this question. Um, one of the uh, best small forwards and power forwards in NBA history, Dennis Keith Rodman. Um, not just for his success with the Pistons and more notably the Chicago Bulls, but his relentless pursuit and um, clear, uh, absolute smashing of Carmen Electra in the 90s. <laughs> which is something again that we would have all loved to have got involved with oh, he, he was not all there he, Dennis he was absolutely not well probably still not. he was i mean he was crazy for real you know how people say oh, that bloke's crazy <laughs> yeah Dennis Rosman was crazy like yeah. absolute crazy married yeah. carbon electra in 1998 nine days later filed for an annulment and i bet <laughs> well those nine days <laughs> yes um dougie um for me growing up as a man united fan there can only be one dennis law uh, i'm glad you didn't say, i'm glad you didn't say another dennis well i nearly did but i did yeah no 
Dennis Law, I'm not sure how he would have gotten in today's game because he he, he never looked the most naturally fit player in the world. And he, he I don't know what he did well, but, but he played with Bobby Charlton and Dennis and and um um George Best. So I, I mean he, so he probably had so a bit of time and space, you know what I mean? But he was a very good player and um I grew up watching a lot of Man United in the sixties and seventies, and he was he was pretty good. And I think he was a bit of a geezer as well, to be honest. And he, he played for Torino, which uh, in the sixties that uh, that must have been very exotic for a bloke from Govan. He played for Manchester in, uh... United and Manchester City. Well, he scored Dennis the goal that relegated Manchester United in the Manchester derby. Good. Nice. I like the way you said you don't know what he was good at and then started praising all his brilliant teammates. Um, yeah. But good player himself, but, apparently. Yeah. I'd, you know, he must have, he must have been all right. <laughs> I guess sure he was. Uh, ben, sports greatest Dennis. Um, I've gone for a man who uh, retired as the leading wicket taker in tests and um, also is the consecutive champion of most Australian looking man in the world <laughs> gone for Dennis Lilly with that fearsome moustache he was um, you know famous famously often wore that sort of fully buttoned shirt with loads of buttons none of them done up um, <laughs> actually had sort of two almost had two separate careers because the first part was a very fast bowler and then through injury became a sort of canny um, sort of fast medium bowler um, and um, his book's a good read as well He's, uh, you know, clearly, clearly was a character, but um, that's what you want a 1970s Australian fast bowler to look like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, uh, sport, the scores are getting close. Um, Doug, you're trailing on 51, Ben 53, Russ in the lead on 57. Um, final sporting related question, though. Um, it's a simple one. What's your favourite ever bit of foul play? Um, and Dougie, as you're trailing, why don't you go first? No, okay. No, um, sorry, mate. I've I've just spent the last five minutes uh, geo locked on Carmen Electra's uh, Instagram page. At <laughs> <laughs> the point back. So forgive forgive me for not paying close attention. Uh, the the greatest piece of uh, foul play ever committed in a game was when Claudio Canija had four Cameroonians inserted into his anus in an attempt to stop them scoring a goal in the opening match of the nineteen ninety World Cup. Um, that still, is. <laughs> still one of the greatest passages of football play I've ever seen. He got absolutely marmalized about eight times, and each one of them looked at him like uh, looked at the referee <laughs> like he was a madman when he eventually sent one of them off. <laughs> that World Cup still remains to this day yes. the best summer ever. Like it was the final. Oh, no, Ninety six was way ahead of it. Oh, mate. 96 was for celebration, but for sheer football brutality, Italia 90 was the last World Cup where people legitimately kicked the living shit out of each other. That <laughs> fight, that final between um, West Germany and um, Argentina was one of the most brutal matches of football I've ever watched. It was a joke. The That incident that, Dougie's talking about if the, if there was a pattern with Jiffy Bag answer for this question, it would definitely be that. I have such fond memories of it. I had this a VHS <laughs> video memories of an Argentina Argentinian yeah, um, footballer getting his uh, getting his knee separated from the bottom and the top <laughs> half of his leg. Basically, <laughs> I, I had a VHS video of highlights of the tournament. It was one of those things that used to get back then of rather than using commentary from the games, they got Brian Moore to do the commentary again, but afterwards. So he'd set things up and tell the tell the story rather than actually put some production value in it. But the piece of his piece of commentary, I just remember of that incident. It was um Kanija's running down the wing or whatever. Oh, he gallops past one challenge, he gets past another. Oh, and he won't get past that challenge. <laughs> as as Massing's boot flies across the pitch. What, what no, was no shit, Brian. Each, each tackle got more and more brutal as he got <laughs> it, it just got higher and higher and higher if, any, if the next <laughs> one was coming in at chest height absolutely it just oh you can't get your foot much higher than benjamin massing did <laughs> <laughs> okay um 
Ben, give us your answer. Best, best bit of foul play. Well, originally I kept thinking of sort of professional fouls that got people through to finals and stuff. And then I thought, actually, what we really want is something that sparked a mass brawl. So <laughs> I'm going back to um, 1989 and the British Lions. So they, they lost the first test, got hammered by Australia. And um, I think Ian McGee can probably set the scene for what this style of play was going to be by calling up Wade Dooley and Iron Mike Teague into the team. And then um, he just spent the week winding Robert Jones, the, the Welsh scrum half, who was a really good player, but he just spent the week winding him up, telling him that the Australian scrum half had run the show. So in the first minute, Jones just stamps on Nick Farr Jones's foot, which starts the two of them brawling. And then the Lions pack just like piles in on top. Teague throws about six haymakers at one of the Australian <laughs> forwards. Everyone has a great amount of fun. It would cause Twitter to absolutely wet the bed and explode at the same time nowadays. But it Can worked. The, the Lions won 30, uh, no, uh, 19 to 12, and they actually won the series. Um, but uh, Teague was, was, was quoted later as saying, we can't be seen to condone what went on. He then goes on to condone it. Um, but needs must. There were some hard players on that tour, hard men, and they all came together and sorted the job out. <laughs> oh, what a great Lots explanation. Okay, uh, Russ, what's your favourite? Um, so I took this in a slightly different direction. Um, and my favourite piece of sort of foul play, as it were, goes back to the... Um, 1994 US National Figure Skating Championships, where just before the championships, um, Tonya Harding decides that she's not getting enough endorsements and or recognition for, for her quality of skating. And all of that um, adulation and all of the accolades are going to a better or what people described as a more wholesome skater in, in Nancy Kerrigan. So she decided to have her attacked after a practice session, which meant she missed the national championships, um, but her plan backfired when a, the U S national team kept the spot open for Nancy Kerrigan to return for the winter Olympics of which um, the, the lady who qualified second stepped aside, but it was also then revealed that it was, uh, it was Tonya Harding, her husband, and uh, her husband's uh, brother-in-law or husband's stepbrother who actually carried out the attack. So uh, Harding was banned, stripped of titles, sent to prison, all of that sort of stuff. But I mean, that's proper foul play in it when, you, when you're trying to maim your, your competition. Yeah, it's, it's pretty serious, isn't it? I guess <laughs> it's a step up from Benjamin Massing, you could argue. Um... All right, we are just, well, you're all within three points of each other. Imagine if Ben Massing had had an iron bar. (laughs) (laughs) Claudio Canigia wouldn't be here to tell the tale, would he? All right. Um, Any other business? Um, Ben, why don't you you go first? So uh, most of you probably are aware of of the MP, George Eustace, who is a distant (laughs) relative. Um, I've never met him and I'm not going to get into politics here, but just say um, hi, dad. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But, but what I want to say is whenever there's any kind of comedy program that mentions him, they all just straight away go useless Eustace and then (laughs) look delighted with themselves. Like they've come up with something original. Even Ian Hislop did it the other night on Have I Got News For You? And, the first time I heard that was my first day at primary school. So someone pulled that exact same face, but they were a four-year-old and they thought it was hilarious. And I know for a fact, my dad told me the first time he heard it was his first day at primary school when some little four-year-old in a flat cap looked absolutely smug with himself for finding that joke. So just say what you want about him. Leave out the useless Eustace jokes. They're not original. <laughs> um, Dougie, any other business? Uh, yeah, I just wish um, 
Premier League football would chill out. I couldn't give a fuck who wins Premier League, Man City or Liverpool. Um, I fear it may well be the same two teams that win it for the next 50 years and it doesn't really matter. Can we all just move on? Thanks. Sure. If you don't want enough points to win, that's fine. Russ, any other business? Um, just a quick one. I noticed uh, in whilst perusing um, my online news on my on my iPhone, I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is um, the world's biggest biggest bucket fanny, Katie Price, happens to get knocked up again? I mean, when when is she going to realise that having five kids by fucking six different dads, one of which you know is Dwight York's. Um, son Harvey Price she keeps popping out kids and looking more and more ridiculous as the, as the days go by so fucking either keep them together or sew it shut love because nobody fucking cares there you go I, did, I didn't know about Katie Price's news and but this is where you this is where you come for that sort of stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, um, final look at the scores. Dougie, I, I mean, I don't know what I do know what happened. You started talking about a round of golf instead of sports greatest achievement by someone in their 40s. Um, <laughs> you, you end up on, on 68 points. Um, Russ on 73 and not so useless Eustace up on 77. Um, euphoric so, Eustace. Euphoric <laughs> Eustace. <laughs> Useful. <laughs> yeah, I mean... There's your comeback. Why didn't you think of that when you were four? Um, so, <laughs> defend the undefendable. Russ and Ben, you are going to both defend a statement for twenty, a very unique 22 seconds um, to see who wins. Um, Russ, as you came second, you get to choose whether to go first or second. If you follow uh, any of that. I'll go first, please. Okay, you can go first. Right, you are going to defend for 22 seconds. Rugby should increase the premiership to 20 teams to match football. All the extra games can be squeezed in on midweek nights for extra TV revenue. I think undoubtedly rugby would improve as a spectacle if you had more teams with less good players all on TV with midweek matches, with in, all with no, new TMOs getting involved all the time. That would increase the revenue for the for the member clubs, therefore make it much better to watch. Time is up. Um, ben, you have uh, got 22 seconds to defend this. Kevin Peterson should be put in charge of revamping the county championship as he only cares about the best interests of English cricket. I think that is true because Kevin Peterson would name all the franchises after African animals that he wants to save. <laughs> he would enforce blue haircuts. And he would also um, just do that, really. And I think, based on Russ's answer, I've probably won already. I think, um, well, Russ, Russ's wasn't bad, but the African animals made it for me. The Birmingham <laughs> Buffaloes. I want every franchise like, named after the Big Five. I think we're all, I think we're all um, slightly overestimating how much Kevin Peterson cares. I, I, I think you think he cares more about African animals than Kevin Peterson. There'd be the, <laughs> there'd be the, where, where would this competition be based? Be, be at right? Yeah, there, there'd be the Southern Kevins, <laughs> the, the Northern Petersons, the Western KPs, and the something else, you know. You know what his middle name is? I don't know. Peter. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> the Eastern Pete's. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Kevin Congratulations, Peterson. Ben. Fucking wallet of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. It's always good fun. And you know what? Of, of all my monkey and moaning over recent, let's say recent weeks, just last week, um, that was good fun. And it, it is nice to just have a la laugh and a chat about some stuff and make it a bit lighthearted and, and have a bit of fun. So, you know, potentially maybe more punch and chat or something different from just rugby anyway in the well, coming Russ, why weeks. Don't we, why don't we say what we were talking about earlier? We were, I mean, me and Doug had a little conversation. We're looking at maybe diversifying a little bit from just rugby. Yes, we'll talk about rugby, you know, maybe as a main topic, um, but 
start talking about other bits of stuff, stuff that that's interesting us in the week, maybe not even in the sporting arena, but we can, we can, we don't, the, 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 the trick is we don't actually have to limit it to anything. And, you know, we could, we could genuinely just talk about anything for an hour once a week. And I think we could make it funny. We could make it interesting, you know, and we'll see what happens. Ultimately, hard, hard to get motivated to talk about a game that you don't enjoy at the moment. It really, really is. And I think we're not the only having listened uh, listen to some of the feedback on last week's episode. Um, we are speaking on behalf of quite a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of apathy out there in general. So maybe if we just talk about a bit of life, as in not our lives, but what's going on in the world and try and make it moderately funny by taking the piss out of it and we'll, and we'll see what happens. Um, those who tune in primarily only for rugby will know that we don't always just talk about rugby anyway. So it might not be a, too much of a break from the norm, but uh, it would just be less rugby centric. But and that, and it sounds like you're before, rebadging it to me. Well, saying. yeah, but as I said before, fuck those guys. I don't care about them. Yeah. I do this for me, not you. <laughs> fuck them all. Pricks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to get a bit of love for podcasting back because, uh, it's nice to just have a chat, really, and have a bit of a. Maybe we'll rebadge it the old men shouting at clouds podcast. <laughs> shouting at clouds. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, thank you, Adam. Um, you know, maybe we'll do another punch and chat very soon. Thanks, Ben and Doug, for your time. And uh, we will probably see you in one way, shape, or form next week. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.